You're listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. Are you ready to blab with me? Grab a front row seat as I adventure through motherhood, build my career, and not lose my shit. This podcast is a place for women to come together and relate through the highs and lows of business and motherhood, keep it real, and learn some new business tips and tricks while inspiring each other to do the dang thing. So close your eyes and take a deep breath, mama. You found us. It might not always be pretty, but you can count on one thing. We are in this hot mess together. Welcome back to Boss Ladies and Babies. This month, we are celebrating our four-year anniversary. That's right. The Boss Ladies and Babies podcast is four years old this month. And to celebrate for the rest of 2022, we will be sharing some of our favorite and most listened to podcast episodes over the last four years. Taking the stroll down memory lane has been so incredible to see the amount of growth that this show has truly had, and I cannot wait to share some of our most popular episodes with all of you. So enjoy this stroll down memory lane. Enjoy the awkward moments of those beginning episodes. Enjoy the impactful stories from some of our favorite guests, and we will return in 2023 with new, fresh episodes, and until then... Happy birthday to us. And until then, happy birthday to us. Mamas, are you searching for your community? Are you still searching for your village? I was feeling the same thing when I became a mom and decided that I wanted to continue to be an entrepreneur. So I felt called to change this and created my own safe space for boss ladies with babies. And I don't just mean infants. Our children will always be our babies. That is a place full of support, resources, and community to help each other break the mold, create a new culture, and make our biggest dreams come true all while being the mama that we've always dreamed of. Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters was created for you. This is a community where you can come as you are, share your goals, share your dreams, share the highs and lows of business and motherhood and everything in between, and be fully supported by a community of women who understand you and what you're going through. Boss Ladies and Babies Headquarters is full of education, support, accountability, inspiration, and most of all, connection with other women. Check out the link in the show notes to become a member of Boss Ladies and Babies headquarters today. Your village is waiting. This episode is another one of our most listened to episodes, and I think it's because it is such a big and scary topic. The title of this episode was A Life-Saving Conversation with the CPR and Safety Lady, and we really talked about some scary stuff in this episode, but again, some really, really important stuff. Gail, the CPR and safety lady, sat down with me and had a very thorough and honest and informative conversation about what to do when your child's choking, what to do to, you know, protect yourself and be ready to jump into action when situations get really, really scary. So this episode has some trigger warnings. There's some dark topics that come up, but it is very informative. So please enjoy the life-saving conversation with the CPR lady. Hello, Gail. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. 
I am so excited, Megan. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. We are going to be talking about such an important topic today. And this is something we've never talked about on the show before. So I cannot wait to pick your brain and just kind of spread awareness to all of the listeners. But before we get into all of it, will you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us who you are, what you do, what makes you a boss lady? Let's get to know you a little bit. Okay, great. Um, Well, my name is Gail Gould. I am also known as the CPR and Safety Lady. I have been a professional CPR instructor for over 30 years, trained 10,000 people to save lives. My mission is to CPR train as many people as possible because you never know when you might need to use it. Um, And also my mission is for no parent to ever have to lose a child to choking. And I'll talk more about that later, but but, um, I love what I do. It's very, very rewarding. And um, it's just, it's been just a really fun journey for me. Amazing. Yeah. I think it's so great that you do what you do and that mission is incredible. And like I said, we've never had anyone like you on the show before. And it's, I think it's such an important and life-saving obviously, and just kind of an underappreciated topic. I, I don't think people really talk about this enough or bring awareness to this enough. And so you say that your life's mission is twofold, that no parent should ever lose a child to choking and that you want to CPR train as many parents, grandparents, teachers, and caregivers as possible, which right. is a huge task. So please tell yeah. us what inspired you. How did you get started? How did you get into this line of work? Where did it all begin? Well, what the way I got into it was, um, Megan, I had been a group exercise instructor and personal trainer for many, many years, and I got tired of being in a leotard. So <laughs> around um, age 34, I went back to graduate school at University of Houston, my hometown, and got a graduate degree in exercise science, exercise science and health promotion. And when I was done, I had just gotten married. I decided I wanted to try and work for myself. So this was back in the day, you know, like 1989, you could still call people on the phone and ask, you could say, you know, are you interested in this program or that program? And I would call these large oil and gas companies and someone would actually get on the phone. <laughs> Today, you couldn't do that. But I called them like Chevron or Shell or Bechtel or I'd say, are you interested in tobacco cessation courses? I kind of go, no. Are you interested in weight management? They kind of go, no. Then I'd say, are you interested in CPR in every single person said yes. And that's literally how I got started. I had taken a CPR instructor course right after I graduated from graduate school. And that is literally how I got started. And I would just call cold call people on the phone. And then, you know, a, a lot and, and Chevron has been my client probably for 25, 28 years. And just my utmost, my f- most favorite client. Well, I shouldn't say I have several favorite clients. <laughs> I don't want to insult anyone. But um it was so much fun for me. I, lo- I just loved it. It was so much fun to teach people something that I knew that they might need one day. And if they, you know, I, I well, I shouldn't say that they might need. I, I tell everybody at the beginning of every class, I say, I hope you never have to use any of what you're going to learn here today. Mm-hmm. Do have to use it. Here's what you need to know. So that's kind of how I got started. And then um, I got started with a lot of preschools because, you know, preschools here in Texas and most states, 
daycares and preschools, the employees must have CPR training in order to work. Mm -hmm. So I got started with preschools and then I kind of got started with some medical offices and dental offices. And in the beginning, it was just part-time. And then within, you know, within like, I don't know, maybe 10 years, it was more (laughs) full-time. And, uh, and, and then, you know, there was a point before my son was born before 2003, where I had to hire people. I actually had a someone that was working with me who I adored, I adored, who worked with me for many, many, many years. And um, and then when the, there was an oil turn down here in Houston, and then uh, uh, my training got a little bit slower, so I was a health coach for a while, but that's kind of how I got started. And it um, it's just kind of grew and grew and grew. And so um, I was initially known as the exercise lady because I was teaching exercise all over the place. Now I'm known as the CPR and safety lady, so. That's amazing. Those are both very healthy and necessary things to be known as. I feel like that's great. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was the exercise lady, it would make me uncomfortable because I'd see people in my exercise class, I'd see them out at dinner and I walk up, hi, how are you? Oh, I normally don't eat this. I really, <laughs> so yeah, I was turned into the diet police and my husband still thinks I'm the diet police. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me what people eat. People can eat whatever they want. It, <laughs> Foods can be included in a healthy eating plan. I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm excited to get into all of this because I feel like when it comes to choking in general, right? People often think, and myself included, I'm super guilty of this, of thinking, oh, that's not going to happen to my kid or that, you know, or anyone that I know. And we all know it's a risk, but it's one of those things that we just kind of shrug off as like, oh yeah, that happens to people sometimes, but it's probably not going to happen to me. Can you share some stats on this that will help us understand the importance of why we need to educate ourselves to be prepared? Yes, I can. Now, I I can tell you this much that I I would say, Megan, every second class I teach, whether it's in person or on Zoom, at least one or two people say to me, oh my God, I had to do that on my child. I had to give the Heimlich maneuver to my husband, to a friend, a stranger, someone in the mall. It's very, very, very common. You're much more likely to be using choking relief than you are CPR, mm. much more likely. So around 3,000 people a year die from choking. Now compare that to the half a million people a year die from heart disease, 170,000 people a year die from stroke, 100,000 people a year die from injuries, less than 3,000 or around 3,000 people who die from choking. So death from choking, not terribly common. Um, Conscious choking, extremely common, extremely common. Now out of that 3,000 people who die from choking each year, 2,000 of that 3,000 are children. Oh, wow. I was on Clubhouse about six months ago and I was talking, which I'll talk about here in a few minutes, my digital course, how to help your choking child. And I was talking about the course and someone actually had the nerve to say to me, I was just like, oh my. She's like, well, not that many children die from choking. I was like, well, that's true. But if it's your child that dies from choking, it's a lot. Yeah. And um, you may or may not have heard me tell this story, Megan, but it was in January of 2020, right before the pandemic started, um, I was at a client and they were like, Gail, there's this woman that came to speak this and her infant died from choking. So I asked if I could speak with her. So they gave me her 
They gave her my phone number. She called me and I'm speaking to this woman who I've never met in my life. And she's telling me what happened to her eight month old. And we're both crying. I'm on the phone with this. I don't even know this one. We're both crying. And uh, she told me she was feeding her eight month old and her eight month old choked. She panicked, ran to the neighbor's house. By the time she, she got back home, her infant had died. Oh my gosh. So we're, I'm on the phone just crying. I'm just, because it takes me 10 minutes to teach people what to do if a child is choking. And so we spoke for about an hour and, um, and then we just, you know, we kind of became Facebook friends and then the pandemic happened and all of my business just went, you know, CPR training during the pandemic is not a real palatable thought. So um, I decided that I needed to do something. And so I created a digital course called how to help your choking child. And it's a digital course that empowers parents, grandparents, teachers and caregivers with the knowledge to know exactly what to do if their child is choking. And I'm not the most tech savvy person, Megan. I'm a lot more tech savvy than when I started, but I had to hire people to help me get this up and ready online. So it was definitely a labor of love and it took about six months. And um, I mean, I, I purchased Amy Porterfield's digital, digital core. It's, that was <laughs> my head. It was just I mean, I, I still get emails from her every day. And I just, I, after about a week, I couldn't figure out what, what was going on. But I hired people, I hired people to help me get it up and running online. And um, so it's been up and running online for about a um, little less than a year. And um, the group that's been buying it lately, a lot are grandparents. Oh. Grandparents are taking care of their grandchildren. And so it, you know, I'm so proud of it. It, um, and it's just, it's such, it's just so important because main cause of unintentional death of infants under the age of one is obstructed airway, me mm -hmm. choking. So people think, well, that'll never happen to me. That's rare. It happened to this loving, well-educated college graduate mom who I met in my hometown. And yeah. uh, just, it was just, oh, I just broke my heart. Now, about in November of 2020, a year ago, she called me and she said, I'm pregnant again. I need to take a CPR class. I was so proud of her. So she took my Zoom CPR training, my Zoom CPR training. And I was so worried, Megan, I was going to say something that was going to trigger her or upset yeah. her. You can imagine how hard that must have been for her. And at one point she turned her video off. I was like, oh no, she's crying. I yeah. know she's crying. She came back on, but I called her right afterwards. I was like, I was like are you okay? She goes, I'm totally fine. I just had to go pee. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I mean, that's got to be, that has got to be extremely challenging for her and for you actually talking with people who have been through this and, you know, especially when you know how to help them and it's something as easily accessible as this digital course. So that's amazing that you created that. Well, Let's it was, it was so much fun. It was absolutely a labor of love. And um, I priced it very, very reasonably that, you know, in hopes that anybody could purchase it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, the more that you can help people be aware to stop this from happening, you know, the better. Let's say that you notice that your child is choking and, and you haven't taken your digital course yet. Right. What's the first thing that someone can do? Like whether they know CPR or don't know CPR, what is like drop everything and do what? Well, it depends on their age. Mm -hmm. If they're over the age of one, 
you use what we call abdominal thrust. So you make a fist, you place your thumb inside the fist, and then right above, I'll kind of stand up so you can see me, right above the navel, well below the rib cage, you give them abdominal thrust until the object is expelled. So that's what you do for anyone over the age of one. And that includes whether you're 10 years old, 36 years old, 84 years old, 52, that's for anyone over the age of one. Anyone under the age of one, meaning an infant, you turn them upside down, you give them five back blows right in between the shoulder blades. If that does get it out, you turn them face up and you give them five chest thrusts. The, the most important thing to remember here is um, while you're doing this, people very often, I cannot tell you, Megan, how many well-educated, well-intentioned parents have told me, my baby was choking and I held her by the feet and I shook her oh, no. or him, shook them, like shaking babies. I was like, oh no, that, that's, you know, I, I, a ton of people have told me that. The other thing people tell me they do, they stick their finger in the mouth to try and sweep it out. That's another- I've heard that, yeah. You want to avoid doing that because you have the cavity of their mouth is so tiny. Yeah. Your finger in there, you, there's a, a very good chance you're going to push it farther down. Mm. People tell me they did that and they pushed it farther down. I had a mom tell me about five years ago, she said she heard her three-year-old saying to the infant, eat it, eat it, eat it. So she's going, what is going on over there? And the three-year-old had given the baby some earrings to eat. Oh, no. And so the mom said she stuck her finger in the mouth to try and sweep it out. She pushed it farther down the baby's mouth. <laughs> the baby passed out. The dad's out of town. She's and she's crying when she's telling me this story. She had to call 911. They had to explain to her what to do. Ambulance came. You know, her baby ended up just fine. But but um, she said it was just so horrific that she had no clue what to do and thank god her baby was okay but she literally was in the class crying when she was telling the story yeah i mean that sounds terrifying it's very it was very it's very scary but you know and and so i you know i think that um you're right people just don't think it's going to happen to them mm-hmm. this will never happen to me but when it does happen and you're standing there thinking oh my god is this really happening right that's not with choking but with um, you know, but I've had, I've had five people pass out during CPR class in my 30 years of teaching. And one of them was a pregnant woman mm. and she was about eight months pregnant. And Megan, do you know, every single person in that classroom, when they saw her faint, got up and ran out like they were running a race. <sighs> I think they thought she was going to deliver her baby in the room. They wanted to give her privacy, but she was eight months pregnant. She was very large. She was very tall. So I had to call one of the guys back in to help me. And thank God she didn't stop breathing. She just passed out. But, you know, I was, I was thinking, oh my goodness, not one people, not one person, two people. <laughs> yeah. here. And thank goodness she was only out just a little under a minute. But yeah, you just, you know, you never think these things are going to happen to you. And, but, you know, I, typically people are really fearful of these kind of things. They don't come to my class. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many people I've met on Clubhouse who've told me, this is too scary. I, I am terrified of choking. And I've had numerous people tell me they're absolutely terrified of choking. And yeah, it's just easier sometimes to like not think about it, you know, because yeah. it is so scary to think about. And it's, I mean, I've done it, I've done it three times, twice to my son. Once when he was four months old. That's another thing. I don't think that parents realize that breast milk and formula 
can obstruct the airway of an infant under the age of four months. Oh my gosh. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. My son had colic and reflux when he was a baby. And um, so I had to mix up this like powder with this water. And one night, you know, we were doing like a 2 a.m. feeding and I heard him kind of going, <laughs> making some weird noises. And all of a sudden, you know, I, I'm looking at him and I can see, so I'm you know, giving him back blows at two in the morning and it worked. And then when he was eight years old, we were at a grocery store, you know, these giant Texas grocery stores. And he's with me and he saw a friend of his and we were in the bread aisle. And he saw his little friend and we were, all of a sudden I noticed they were throwing jelly beans in each other's mouths. Oh no. Oh my, what are they? I'm just, what are you boys doing? All of a sudden my son's face turned beet red. Then it turned very pale. So I knew I had to do. So I gave him a couple of thrusts and the jelly bean came flying right out. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, in the middle of the bread. Aisle. <laughs> I know it was, and I used, I I've trained, you know, all the teachers of all the schools, my son has been in and I would share that story. He goes, that's really wrong. You're violating my privacy. You should be telling people this. <laughs> Although now he's 17. He doesn't care if I share it with people. But yeah. Well, was, you shouldn't have been throwing jelly beans in each other's mouths either. <laughs> I know. I was like, girls would never do that. Only boys throw jelly beans in each other's mouths. <laughs> Well, let's talk about besides not throwing jelly beans in each other's mouths. What are some things that we can look at when it comes to prevention? Like myself, I'm just paranoid and like kind of a cautious, safe person about everything. But especially when it comes to food for my daughter, I even still cut my grapes up for her. And she's ah, you should be. And some of my friends you have made fun be. of me for that. But I'm like, no, I'm cutting up these grapes. Like, I don't want to take any chances. So what are some things that we as parents, caregivers can do to kind of prevent horrible incident like this from happening? Well, you are 100% correct to cut her grapes. And of course, cut it lengthwise. You don't want to cut it towards a circle mm-hmm. wise, but um, really important Hot dogs and grapes are the two most common choking foods for children. Your child chokes in a hot dog that it's much more likely going to require an emergency room visit. So you're going to laugh, but I cut my son's hot dogs lengthwise and into quarters until he was 12 years old because I knew of someone who died from choking on a hot dog when they were in high school. Mm-hmm. So it was either 12 or almost 13. He said, uh, can you please feed me two whole hot dogs. <laughs> so I gave him, I gave him a whole hot dog. And that, you know, that was probably like four years ago, wow. but hot dog, you got to cut hot dogs lengthwise in the quarters. Absolutely cut the grapes. I'm going to say up until age five to six, mm. seriously, at least. And I, and I went even longer than that, but other foods that are taking hazards, peanuts, popcorn, hard candy, large chunks of meat, large chunks of vegetables, large chunks of fruits. These are all foods that can obstruct the airway of a young child and cause choking. In fact, just yesterday, I can't remember where I was looking at, but they showed a lollipop and the lollipop came off the stick and obstructed the child's airway. But I'm so terrified. I'm like, no lollipops (laughs) because I'm like, I just imagine that happening. Yeah, no, and, and the most common choking hazards are coins, pennies, nickels, and dimes. I'll bet you, Megan, I've met 2,000 people have told me either they choked on coins when they were little, their child choked on coins, they knew someone. I just had someone tell me last week that her six-year-old 
swallowed a quarter. My and it went down. she didn't choke on it, but it went down. And when it goes down, you know, there's two places it can either go down the trachea into the lungs or the esophagus into the stomach, which is what you're hoping for. But you have to go get an x-ray. They got an x-ray and found that it went to her stomach. And But, you know, you would think six-year-old would be old enough not to know to do that. Now, my son, when he was six, I walked into his room and he said to me, you know, that screw I was playing with with my car, it jumped in my mouth and I swallowed it. So, so I kind of was like, oh, no, I really don't have to watch for that. So uh, my brother is a physician and he shamed me because you need to go get an x-ray. So we got my son loved the x-ray machine. It was so <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, that, it's not just food. It's choking hazards as well. Yeah. yeah. So you just yeah, and then the other thing, and you know, it hasn't really caught on down here in Texas. But since I've been on Clubhouse and Instagram, I've met lots of moms, young moms from California, the West Coast and East Coast who are doing baby led weaning. Are you familiar with baby led weaning? Yeah, we did that with my daughter. Okay, all right. And baby led weaning is a really healthy, really good way to introduce solid foods to your young child, to your, to your baby, because you know kids have a really good sense of satiety. They know when they're hungry, they know when they're full. So when you when you introduce solids to your baby, like I did with my son 17 years ago, you just give little smushed up pieces of food and you just keep feeding them and feeding them. They want to make you happy. So they keep eating. Not with baby love weaning because baby love weaning, you let them do it themselves and they decide when they're hungry and when they're full. But the issue with baby love weaning is there's more gagging, Yes, <laughs> more gagging, maybe in not a huge instance, more of choking, but definitely more gagging. So were you aware the gagging was not choking when you were doing baby lead weaning? No, not at all. No. I was always like, she's choking, she's choking. And I would panic. But one thing that made me feel kind of at ease was knowing that by doing baby lead weaning, allegedly it helps them not choke as much. Like they are, it's create, I don't know like exactly what is behind it, but it's creating something for them so that they're less likely to choke in the future. And so anytime I thought she was choking and I would see she was okay. I was like, okay, if she's just gagging, like she's going to be fine. But <laughs> it's a terrifying moment when you think that they're choking. It will. It, it really, really is. And the saying that I like to use loud and red, let them go ahead. Silent and blue, they need help from you because choking is mostly silent. Gagging is very, very noisy. Oh, okay. There's crying, there's their faces be red, there's gurgling. They, did your daughter ever vomit when she was gagging? So one time, and I have a video and it might be oh my God. cruel that I think it's so funny, but I it was before we got fully into baby love weaning and I gave her some pureed spinach. The amount of gagging, screaming, crying, and then like puking it back up that happened was actually hilarious because she was <laughs> fine but I, yeah I'll never forget that video it was very loud very very loud and gagging is very very loud but you know babies have a very sensitive gag reflex and it's good because it's there to keep them from choking but you know parents if they don't know the difference between gagging and choking when they're gagging they think they're choking they look panicked and um gagging you, you let them go ahead because they can work it out themselves. Mm -hmm. They become silent. Their face turns pale. Their chest is concave. You hear a high-pitched crowing noise. That's when you need to step in and intervene. 
Yeah. I was wondering if there's like an age that you shouldn't worry as much. Like for example, when my daughter was a baby, I was really like bent on finding a CPR class for her because I was so terrified. Like she was just starting food. I felt like that was something I needed to know. But then as she started getting older, I relaxed quite a bit more. And I figured she's pretty good at chewing now. And, you know, I think she can handle it. I'm careful. I'm not as worried, but I, I feel like I know what you're going to say about this, but what is like the age where you don't have to worry as much? if any? Well, you're probably not asking the, the right person that question, Megan, because I think everybody needs to take CPR. Seriously. Yeah. I think yeah I, that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> I, you know, I, th- I think it should be a requirement that before the baby comes home from the hospital, that both parents need to take CPR. At least, you know, if there's just one parent, one or both parents need to take CPR, but I'm not in charge. So that's not a requirement, but, um, Really and truly, even at age three, Mm -hmm. kids, and the reason they're still at risk for choking at age three, four, and five, I mean, who has not seen a three or four or five-year-old stuff an entire muffin in their mouth all at once? My daughter, for sure. (laughs) Right. So, you know, and, and so I tell people, it's much better to know what to do than to not know what to do. Yeah. I've often thought, even with my husband, like if we're just, you know, home, my daughter's in bed or whatever, and we're sitting there and we're eating. I'm like, if he choked, I wouldn't know what to do. If I choked, he wouldn't know what to do. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what would happen. Or even if I'm by myself sometimes with my daughter and I'm eating something and there's been like a time where like, it's gone down kind of the wrong tube. I'm like, what would I do if I choked when I'm here alone with my toddler? Well, what you do, you can go to my Instagram account, the CPR and safety lady. I have in my highlights alone and choking. And oh, it nice. You exactly what to do if you're alone and choking. I know I have a friend here in Houston that's a major blogger and she has a huge account on Instagram. And she found this on my Instagram and she posted it. I'm, I must have gotten 50 messages. Oh my God. Thank you for showing me this. I've always wondered what to do. Now, I'll tell you what, I, this just happened a month ago. I don't know all the details. But there's a woman here in Houston who used to come to my exercise class many years ago and her gorgeous, beautiful 42-year-old daughter died. And all I heard, I just saw it in the obituaries, and all I heard was that she was in bed eating and choked. And I, and I, I need to find out, I need to ask some people to see. So, I mean, just such, just it's just not that common. It's And when you hear about it, you're like, oh my God, that's so... You know, it's it's so easy to know what to do, even with yourself. It's mm-hmm. easy to know what to do. It's easy to do with with you know um, with with anyone. It's just such an easy thing to know to do. And I've just I've just met thousands and thousands and thousands of people who told me they have successfully used choking relief, and um, it's worked. In fact, Mandy from Women Are Prepared. What Women Are Prepared? I can't. Women aware and prepared. Women and wearing prepared messaged me about two months ago at 10 o'clock at night. I get this Instagram message from her. She goes, Oh my God, we're out to eat with my son. And my son started choking. And I didn't know what to do. She was so panicked. And they ran outside. And finally, some retired EMT came up and gave him some thrust and it came out. Oh but I mean, gosh. so I said to her, I said, Well, let's do an Instagram live event. She goes, No, I'm, I'm too frazzled. 
She goes, give me about a month or two. <laughs> so we did the Instagram live yesterday, ironically enough, and she was able to talk about it. But she's, you know, and, and what that brings up, Megan, is that, you know, this stuff is scary, but when it's a member of your family, when it's your child or your husband or your parent, it's about a thousand times more scary. Yeah. You never think it's going to happen to you until it does. And you should be prepared. Yes. It's definitely, it's definitely much scarier when it's a member of your family. Yeah, definitely. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for sharing and being so vulnerable and open about all of this. I mean, that is, it's a heavy topic and it, but it's a reality that we face, you know, that we should be open to know what to do when we encounter something like this. So I'm going to have you tell everybody where they can find you and your resources and all of that. But we've got a couple more things to talk about before. You could offer one piece of advice for balancing being a boss lady and a mom. What would that be? Hmm. Oh my goodness. Balance being a boss lady and being a mom. What? kind of advice. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is that um, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself first. And I know when I was little, um, my dad would always tell me, take care of number one. Take care of number one. Because if you don't take care of yourself first, you will have nothing left to give anyone else. So, um, really important to me. I'm a meditator. I meditate. Um, I've been journaling a lot lady, lately, and I may be meditating at 530 in the morning. I may be journaling at 10 o'clock at night, but um, I, I, you know, I'm an exerciser. I definitely try and take care of myself first because then there's a lot more left for me to give to other people in my life. Yeah. I love that. I think that's great advice. And we, you know, we hear that so often and we see it on social media and we hear people talk about it, but we don't often actually take that advice. So I think that's really important. Thank you for sharing. And the last thing before we let you go is the hot mess moment. So life is full of these hot mess moments. And this is your chance to confess a time that you have been a total hot mess. Well, there's probably too many to mention. <laughs> too many to mention, but um, you know, I was talking with someone about this recently, and uh, but I think I think what I'd like to share um, is that um, you know I didn't get married till I was thirty six. I didn't start trying to get pregnant till I was thirty nine. It was not happening for me um, due to some drugs my mom took back in the 1950s to prevent miscarriage. And uh, so I decided, my husband and I decided that we would adopt. It took us eight years to adopt. So I was 49 years old when I first became a mom. And I had people say to me, they're like, are you really gonna do this? Are you sure you just don't wanna live life with your husband where you can travel and be financially secure? And it just, it was, it was so important to me. And I'll never forget when we got the call that my son was born, Megan, I felt like I was getting ready to jump off a cliff. I was so terrified. Yeah. I mean, I just literally, I, mean, I was just shaking. I couldn't sleep. 
And the moment I saw him, the second I saw him in the hospital, it, all that fear dissipated, every bit of fear. And so my son is 17. It's been the best 17 years of my life by far. And um, what I like to tell people is you're never too old to become a mom. Yeah. Never, 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 never too old to become a mom. And I never really, I never really felt out of place. You know, I volunteered like crazy when he was in grade school. I volunteer every week teaching CPR when he was in middle school. Um, so, yeah, I think people were kind of probably talking behind my back. I can't believe she's doing this and she's going to have to dye her hair to look like all the other moms. <laughs> oh, no. And uh, it just, um, I've, oh my, it's just been the best experience. It's been the best 17 years of my whole life, really. That's and I've done some really ridiculous stupid things. I'm sure I was too much of a helicopter mom when he was little. Cause you know, I came so close to not being a mom, so close to not being a mom. And I fret, I was like, Oh my God, I almost didn't become a mom. And it's just been the best. And then my husband, we both feel the same way. So I don't know if that was a hot mess moment, but I was like to share with people. Don't ever think you're too old to become a mom because it just, it was just, my life is, has just been so wonderful with him in it. So. Oh, I love that so much. And I feel like it's really special that kind of society's mindset on that is shifting a lot. I feel like people are getting more and more open to having kids later and later in life. Like my younger sister, she's going to be 30 next year and she, kids aren't even on her radar yet, which I think is amazing because it didn't used to be like that. And so, right. It just, it gives us as women a lot more time to do all of the things that we want to do and then still be able to be mothers, which even when I was growing up, like my mom had me when she was 20. And so I always thought wow. like, I'm going to be a young mom. I, you know, I just want to have kids right away. And then, you know, I got to that point and I'm like, I am not ready. Like I want to continue <laughs> to live my life and have right. kids down the road. And, and I, I mean, I think I'm like an average age mom. Like I'm 34 and my daughter's three, but my husband is creeping up on 40 and we don't know if we're done having kids yet. And, and it's okay because a lot of people we know that are in our age group are in the same place and it's just different than how it was. So I think that's really brave that you guys were able to make that decision and look at how amazing it's been. Well, I tell you what, Megan, I can read back in my journal and I've done it a few times where I would say things like, this is never going to happen for me. I give up. Adoption is not going to work for us. And, you know, it just, you just, just kind of keep going. And, and it, it, and when it happened, man, it happened fast. It was like, got the call. Okay. It just, it happened really fast. And it just, um, my husband, and I just feel like we're so fortunate. We just feel so lucky because it has just made both of our lives so wonderful. So, you know, I mean, there've been times where, he, you know, kids drive you crazy, right? There've been times where he's driven me crazy and it was little when, He's a teenager, but um, overall, it's just, it's been the best 17 years of my life by far. And so when I hear moms complaining and moaning, groaning, I'm like, look, you know, I don't take a day for granted with my son. I don't take one single day for granted with him. And that's one reason I'm so passionate about what I do. Cause when I, you know, there was a time that I uh, dropped my son off at grade school. He was about in fourth grade and I'm walking him in and I see this toddler sitting in a running car all by himself, no one in the car, the car is running. So I decided to wait, you know, here I am. I decided to wait for the mom. 
And you can imagine what I said to her when she came back to the car. I was like, <laughs> I smashed my fist through the window and driven your car off with your baby. You know, so yeah, I want to see people doing unsafe, silly things. I get upset because I think I almost didn't become a mom. So yeah. That's oh my gosh. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, let's talk about where people can find you and they can get your resources and take your course and everything so that we can all start educating ourselves on this big piece of safety that we can implement into our lives. Thank you, Megan. Well, on Instagram, I'm at the CPR and safety lady. Um, on Facebook, <laughs> my Facebook is how to help your choking child, but basically, um, on the CPR and safety data on Instagram, um, they can, there's tons and tons of free resources on infant and child CPR. There's information on choking. There's information on first aid topics, like what to do, God forbid your child has a seizure. There's information on baby proofing your home. In this course on my link tree, there is the digital course, how to help your choking child. Thank you so much for sharing that. If you're listening, please go check her out. Grab these resources. Check out when her next class is and educate yourself. I know that I want to do that. I am one of those people who is guilty of putting this off in the back of my mind, but I'm ready to take that step and be prepared. Afterwards, there was another girl from Washington who took the course, Jana, and she, um, she was so scared. She goes, I'm so scared, but I need to do this. I have three children. And then afterwards she goes, that was not scary at all. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> she wrote amazing. me this really nice testimonial. So that's amazing. Well, you definitely know what you're talking about. So everybody please go give Gail a follow. And until next time you've got this mamas stay bossy. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for listening to Boss Ladies and Babies. If you liked this episode, be sure to rate, review, and leave us some feedback. Make sure you follow us on social at Boss Ladies and Babies. Join the conversation in our private Facebook group and check out everything we have to offer like community, coaching, merch, and more at bossladiesandbabies.com. And until next time, stay bossy.